Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Caro inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. And we have sports around the globe. He's going to do this podcast from Easter Island, the most remote place in the world. Did a couple of segments. Decided to get back to Santiago, Chile to do the rest. But this is a distinctly international economic phenomena. And we'll cover much of these in deal-making issues, three to one. Three. Amid college sports' cash grab, the Big 12 hires WWE Sports and IMG to lead their media strategy. Big 12 hoping to make a splash of its own and $3 billion deal with Disney in 2020. Big 12 hoping to move it forward by hiring these two entities. Big 12 lost two of its powerhouses, Texas and Oklahoma, and responded by adding BYU, Houston, Cincy, and USF to the Big Ten, adding Southern California teams, give them a national scope and a local rivalry, the Texas-Oklahoma rivalry, well-established. We'll see how it all plays out. Deal-making issue number three. Two. Sky Sports to remain home of Formula One until 2029 after their deal extended in all Sky markets. Greater exclusivity. Sky Sports remains the exclusive home of Formula One in the UK and Ireland, 2029, after Sky extended its partnership with the sport. Since the beginning of the relationship in 2012, they've brought excitement in a general way. And now Stefano Domenicali, the president and CEO of Formula One, interested in the Sky revenue that's produced quite clearly. The drama, excitement, let's not forget the money. One. How about deal-making issue number one, which was a big deal with Amazon as well as the NFL. Second run of Thursday Night Football averaged a little over $11 million on Prime for the Steelers and the Browns, a mediocre game, but it was a 39% improvement over last year's Week 3 game on NFL Network. The 2021 game pulled in nearly 8 million viewers across the cable channel, local market, out of home. And the game, again, 29-17 win against the Steelers. The bottom line is it's all in the future subscriptions, not in the individual games. And that's deal-making issue number one. And frankly, one of the people that we need to thank for all of this is none other than Paul Tagliabu, a good friend. He's been the commissioner for years before retiring and letting Roger Goodell take the helm. He's now done things such as the head of the Board of Trustees at Georgetown University and the head of the Knight Commission of College Athletics. He is a scholar. He is a contributor to the Sport Business Handbook and a whole lot more. And when you talk to him, you realize what he's done for camaraderie around the league, revenue sharing, marketing sophistication, and as we just said, a whole lot more. Here's Paul Tagliabu. First broad question, the NFL as a social change agent, there have been a lot of things that have happened recently, but broadly defining your role as you saw it 
to kind of steer the NFL to a path to maximize social change or to help? Well, I always had the idea that uh, the NFL was about three C's, competition, collaboration among the teams through the league, and community. So it was, it was always a piece of, of my thinking, and, and that comes from Pete Rozelle. He, he thought the same way, and he, he was the one who started the United Way uh, advertising campaign to take the helmets off the players, and he encouraged all the teams to be an integral part of the community, just as college football was. United Way is a good example. How important was that United Way NFL relationship? It still goes on, but it was watershed in a way. It was certainly watershed. You know, Commissioner Rozelle, as I said, started it. When I took over in 89, the advertising commitment to the United Way was very, very substantial. But more importantly, we wanted the teams to be involved with the local United Ways. So I went on the board of the National United Way right after I became commissioner in order to encourage each of the individual teams to be more deeply ingrained in their own communities. Let's talk about some kind of seminal moments in a lot of people's perspective when you were commissioner and your reflection back on them. The first game that you either attended or pointed out after September 11 in Kansas City, what made that game so special? It was the Giants playing against the Chiefs and so you had a New York team in the heart heartland of America and uh, I was there with Gene Upshaw, the two conference presidents were there, Wellington Mara and Lamar Hunt, who obviously was the owner of the Chiefs. But when, when the Giants took the field, there was a roar of applause for the Giants. And that doesn't happen too often in Arrowhead Stadium. No. They, they're pretty rabid and they're pretty one-sided. They're great, great fans. But that was, that was, uh, it was a sign of how America was at that time. Unfortunately, that's not where we are today. It also is a sign, I would think, of how important sports is as a healing agent. And clearly, not just in Kansas City, but around the country. Talk about that for a second. Well, I think it is. And, uh, you know, why is it a healing agent? I think it's partly because it's a distraction from uh, the workaday things that people have to do. But more importantly, I think it's, it's the essence of competition, but it's competition based on teamwork. So you have both ingredients at the same time. You have teamwork on one side and competition between the two sides. And that's a, that's a microcosm of life. So eight years earlier, it's 1993, and you chose to take a stand to move the Super Bowl from Phoenix because of the Arizona stance not ratifying the uh, Martin Luther King holiday. Successful outcome, obviously the goal of using the leverage and the business awareness the NFL brought to the table to make some meaningful social change there. Was it a difficult decision, and did it work out the way you wanted it to work out? Well, it was difficult to take that decision, but, uh, you know, before I was heavily involved, the Super Bowl host committee and the league's Super Bowl committee had conversations about what would happen if the King holiday was not in place. So it was not a surprise. It was something that was part of the conversations going forward. Maybe people didn't think that the league would make good on what it had said, which is that it would not play the game unless the King holiday was passed. And then when, when it was passed, when we did adopt it, it was deferred, as you said. It was not canceled. It was not terminated. So we tried to have a balance between taking a position that was definitely an important position to take, but not being punitive. Roles of franchises in communities. Let's talk about Katrina and the work that you did. And I saw it firsthand with the governor and mayor of, uh, of New Orleans to basically keep the franchise afloat, literally and figuratively, and not move it or allow it to move to San Antonio. And that has to be one of the greatest social change moments as far as 
how far a league can go to protect a community's trust and interest in a franchise. Well, you know, New Orleans was uh, a, out, an outgrowth of the merger of the American Football League and the NFL. New Orleans had brought a lot to the NFL over the years, but I, I felt that whether it was New Orleans or Houston or any other city that could be the subject of a tragedy, that we owed it to the community to walk the last mile. We, we expect communities to walk the last mile in support of our teams, and we had to do it for them. And, and that was, my perspective was what my parents used to tell me. A friend in need is a friend indeed, so be a friend to people in need. And you were. The Tagliaboo Initiative for LGBT Life at Georgetown. Talk about that and then talk about how we think the whole LGBT and gay rights and diversity issues have progressed since you left as commissioner. Well, the initiative at Georgetown was uh, probably a decade ago at this point. I had gone on to the Georgetown Board of Directors and the president of the university was working with students to try to make it the place more welcoming to LGBTQ students. And uh, my wife and I decided that we would endow that program at the university. We have a son who's gay, who heads a gay rights organization in New York City, so it was close to our home. But Georgetown was close to me for many, many years. And I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for Georgetown. Not to mention, weren't you the all-time rebound leader at Georgetown for like a minute? For a few seasons I was, more than a minute. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Uh, w was, it, uh, was it Alonzo Mourning? Who, who then wiped your record out? Which, which uh, I, I think it might have been Craig Shelton followed by about 15 other players. Craig Shelton is not the name I wanted to deal with. How about Patrick Ewing? Or what? Patrick let's, was part of it. History. Patrick part was part of it. Got it, got it. All right, let's, let's, get, let's get serious again for an issue that I, I know is, is really important to you, which is the whole uh, role model and responsibility of the NFL. There's been so much um, discussion and turbulence uh, the NFL has done a lot in a lot of people's estimation, committees, dollars, research, um, player activism. Give me your 30,000-foot uh, report card of how the league has done in these issues uh, since you've uh, left uh, um, your tenure at the NFL. I think the league has done very well in a, in a difficult environment. And what I mean about a difficult environment was the onset of a hyper-connected society with people able to communicate in ways that they never communicated before, and videos being taken of everything that goes on. So your, the scrutiny that you're subjected to by the technology is extraordinary. Give, in that context, I think what the League has done to take the initiatives that you alluded to has been very, very positive and, and, for the most part, very well thought out. So finally, where does where's the League generally, way too general a question, Where's the league five years from now? Well, based on what I'm reading, it may be that there'll be more uh, football in London and even Frankfurt. But I, you know, I think the key thing is to keep the competition on the field the way it has always been. And as far as I can tell, that's going to continue five years from now with the Patrick Mahomes and the others who are out there fitting into the shoes of Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Ben Roethlisberger and others. Well, Commissioner Tagliabue has a perspective that uh, is like none other, and we will continue to follow his efforts. He is a Hall of Famer for sure, and everybody should recognize that unanimously. Callie uh, Kazire and, and I have been uh, involved in putting uh, NFL and college sports business issues together. And Callie Kazire and I are doing it again this week from the college perspective. Three games to watch. Number 17, TCU. Number 19, Kansas. Horned Frogs travel to Kansas to take on a team that just entered the AP Top 25 for the first time in 13 seasons. Matchup of two undefeated teams, Kansas known for basketball but struggling for football, 5-0. Well-known college pregame show, College Game Day, 
traveling to Lawrence for the first time, giving Kansas the opportunity to have their campus and community in the national spotlight. Kansas able to sell out their game against Duke, the first sellout in Lawrence in three years, and only the second in 13. Two ranked and undefeated teams this time expect another sellout in Lawrence and an opportunity for the Jayhawks to continue the frenzy that their revived football team has created. Number 11, Utah. Number 18, UCLA. The two ranked Pac-12 teams clash in the Rose Bowl with the 4-1 Utes taking on the undefeated Bruins. While UCLA has several NIL collectives, a unique NIL collective that is undefeated, that is benefiting athletes, and the community is the Bruin Fan Alliance, distinctive because it is a nonprofit run by the athletes themselves across all sports and UCLA athletics, been given the athletes an opportunity to connect with the community and other athletes in the program while cashing in on those NILs, along with the massive announcement to leave the Pac-12 for the Big Ten this offseason. UCLA also signed a settlement with Under Armour. Their former sponsor received approximately $68 million from the sportswear giant. UCLA now with Nike and the Jordan brand after they claimed Under Armour ended their 15-year $280 million agreement with the university early. UCLA looks to keep their momentum going with a matchup against their toughest opponent yet, 11th-ranked Utah. Finally, Auburn at number 2, Georgia. They take on the defending champs in their territory, look to do their best in attempting to shock the world against one of the best teams in the country. Despite being unranked, Auburn been excelling in NIL deals with the average football player earning 7400 a month, more than double the national average of 3400 according to Sports Illustrated. Credited to their NIL collective on to victory, which has raised over $10 million this year. While these deals benefit current players, also important tool in recruiting, and Auburn coaches visited over 200 Alabama high schools this year. These NIL collectives are crucial to be able to compete in the SEC in recruiting with the likes of their upcoming opponent, Georgia. Well, that's Cali Kazire's perspective on the top three college football games. He's always right. Let's see what happens this time. Not a win or loss, but certainly a win or loss in the boardroom. How about the Sports Gaming Minute? Maryland Sports Betting Committee is awarding licenses on a rolling basis, targeting launch by year-end, case-by-case basis, late 2022 launch. The Sports Wagering Application Review Commission, which has been gathering in recent months to hash out procedures on the applications and regulations for the bidding licenses, anticipates ramping up the frequency of its meetings in the coming weeks comes in response to an anticipated influx of documents set to begin in coming weeks and funneling in until October 21st. People have the opportunity to uh, apply. Jim Nielsen, the COO of the Maryland Lottery and Gaming Control Agency, recommended a course of action, public clamoring to get sports betting. They want it quickly, but they want to do it right. Now your sports tech minute. Scottish F.A., to implement the player maker's footwear wearables into its JD performance schools for performance athletics and analytics. The Scottish FA implements the shoe-worn wearables, a development program and operation since 2012, 10 years ago. Player maker 
launched in 2019 and a member of FIFA's innovative program, makes sensors that strap to the outside of an athlete's cleat and provides physical and technical data for individuals and when used by whole team can provide technical and tactical analysis about possession and passing networks. Several elite European soccer clubs, including Premier League sides and Scotland's storied Rangers FC, are already playermaker users. Seven Scottish FAJD performance schools selecting promising under-12 boys and girls and enrolling them in four-year secondary school programs, an extra 200 hours of coaching per year, and a youth player would get elsewhere. They get much more. And Argentina's National Federation, been a player maker user since 2019, outfitting their under-23 club with devices for games leading up to the Olympics. We'll see how that all shakes out. Finally, the end of the day, the Good Sports 5. NFL legend Terry Bradshaw reveals his cancer battles, but he's working his way back to 100%. He says he doesn't look like his old self, but he's cancer-free. He's feeling great. And over time, he wants to get back where he usually is. And frankly, bladder cancer has been a big challenge for him, but he seems to be persevering, and the charities are great. Cardinals J.J. Watt reveals he went into an atrial fibrillation earlier in the week. Dizziness, fatigue, weakness. The reason why this makes the list is because everybody needs to understand that athletes are role models relative to medical issues as well. Kevin Durant again invests in women's sports as part of his Athletes Unlimited $30 million capital raise. Involved in Just Women's Sports May 2021 round of seed funding and becoming minority investors of the National Women's Soccer Club, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC, in last May. NBA stars LeBron James, Draymond Green, and Kevin Love, guess what? They, along with others from the investment community, are involved in Major League Pickleball. Better watch that sport. High-powered six tournaments in 2023 and more to come. Finally, Clippers and Bally Sports finalizes their new broadcast deal. Contract with Sinclair. It lapsed during the summer, but they got it again, which means their opportunities to generate some excitement as they finish their arena continue. Well, of course, we'd like to thank Paul Tagliabue for adding some incredible perspective to the show. He's a really good friend. I'd like to thank Nick Nielsen for participating, Callie Kazire for helping us with the college football perspective and all of you for listening and watching and join us next time when we continue to delve inside the 1.3 trillion dollar business of sports on the sports professor Riccardo see you soon